joining me for this edition of Ask Pastor Trav, where I'd like to take uh, some questions and look to God's Word for strength. Uh, as you're watching this today, the world is celebrating Easter Sunday, a Resurrection Sunday. Uh, just as a reminder, it's been a, a different day all around the world uh, as, as the COVID-19 pandemic continues on. But what we know this is that on a day like this, we are reminded of the fact that we serve a Savior who defeated sin, who defeated death, and so our hope is in Him. And so today, uh, since it is, you might be doing uh, different activities with your family, maybe even just within your immediate family inside. So uh, in, instead of going through a, a list of questions like I've done the last three weeks, what I want to do uh, is a little bit different is that one of the things that I've heard over and over uh, since all of this uh, social distancing and different times have come along has been this question, um, can God be trusted during difficult times? Can God be trusted? Uh, is he able to do uh, what he says he can do? Is he still available for us? Is he near to the brokenhearted? Is he near for those that are anxious and concerned? And a lot of that, when, when someone asks a question like that, you're basically either saying, uh, does he care or is he able, right? Uh, so does he does he care about us? Does he Maybe he could do something, but he just doesn't care about us. Or you're concerned, is he able to do anything? Maybe he does care, but he just can't do the kind of stuff like he's uh, used to do. Um, and, and so one of the things that I always like to go back to in this is that sometimes to take the type of hope that you need today you need to be able to look back over your shoulders and look back over the faithfulness of God to give you the hope and the courage that you need to be emboldened by the fact that God is with us during times like this. And so uh, since today is Resurrection Sunday, it's a little bit different. Instead of going through some questions, I just wanted to read something um, that I was able to work on uh, last year and, and use different forms of it in, uh, throughout the years in preaching and whatnot, but put it um, into text to help remind me. Because sometimes what uh, it, it helps me when a new challenge comes along the way to remind myself who it is that I'm dealing with when it comes down to the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, this uh, book is a book that I wrote, uh, finished up last year called Wiki God. And, and the book, uh, if you think about Wikipedia, right, Wikipedia is a book that has to do with uh, basically um, editable content. So you could write an article on whatever it is and someone else could come alongside and edit it. And so the whole concept is, is that I believe that a lot of people are doing that with theology right now, that there's certain things about God or the Bible you don't like. You just come alongside and, and do like what Wikipedia does. You just change the content. You cut, copy, and paste it to make it sit uh, your way. And so the end of it, the, every chapter is about an attribute of God and really defending what the Bible speaks about. But I just thought it may be a good way. Um, the last couple of pages, what I have in here is really what I like to call the resume of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of start at a, a thing that the last couple of pages here of the book that talks about... Um, Jesus uh, and how all of God's attributes uh, are displayed in Jesus on the cross. And then just kind of a way to sum up. So you can just imagine this is kind of a story time with Pastor Trav answering the question that can God be trusted during difficult times. And, and so I just I want to give you a resume of who we're dealing with here. Just as a reminder, maybe as an encouragement, uh, maybe hopefully just to encourage your faith and embolden and encourage you today. So let me just read this uh, for you uh, as we think about uh, Jesus Christ on this special, special day. Um, don't settle for your version of God. I promise that he is better than you can imagine him to be. Not only is, is his identity sufficient, but his activity is impeccable. When the Bible disagrees with your beliefs, I can guarantee who is in the wrong. In light of those moments where your eyes are opened and your head is aching, don't avoid wrestling through the complex truths of God. 
As you plunge into those depths, never neglect the simple truths at the surface from which we will never escape. You will never graduate from the gospel. Don't bend the scriptures if they seem to break your system. And embrace who God is rather than who you want him to be. If you have to perform systematic backflips to make scripture fit within your theological system, your doctrine is weak and unreliable. Don't make scripture fit your system. Allow scripture to determine your system. Beware of theological camps that seek to divide the body of Christ by espousing their prideful positions on doctrinal complexities. Never major in the minors or attempt to make the non-essentials essential. As you study and share theology, let humility reign. If you are studying Christ more, you should be exhibiting further Christ-likeness. If pride is the hallmark of your theology, some essential component is lacking. As believers, we are called to have a defense always ready to share, but we should share it with gentleness and respect. Whether you are interacting with a lost person or a misguided Christian, your demeanor should be helpful rather than harmful. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been captured by him to do his will, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23-26. through 26. What a great exhortation for us all to heed. In another's quest for truth, let us pray that we are never a hindrance. The message of the Bible is sufficient. God's plan for redemption through the ages is more than adequate, even if it confuses and shocks the masses. The cross is foolishness, 1 Corinthians 1.18. The cross is offensive, Galatians 5.11. Yet at the cross, we find all of God's attributes beautifully aligned. While rejected by many, those who receive the gospel will be able to perceive all who God is while beholding Jesus at the foot of the cross. In his independence, we see that God needed no other's assistance to bring about salvation. In his transcendence, we behold a God who has orchestrated every single redemptive detail. In his eminence, we grasp at the fact that God came so near to take our punishment away. In his eternality, we recognize the grand plan that God has been weaving together, which culminated at the cross. In his immutability, we realize that God is unwilling to change his demands for justice or his commitment to grace. In his omnipotence, we watch how the curtain tears in two with invisible hands ripping it apart to provide access yet again to the presence of God. In his omnipresence, we understand how he simultaneously enlightened the onlooking soldier, mesmerized the anxious authorities, and comforted the distressed disciples. In his omniscience, we see how he placed prophecies and motions that could not be intentionally fulfilled unless his crucifixion was designed by God. In his wisdom, we stand in awe at how he was willing to allow an unspeakable tragedy to continue in order to secure an unbelievable redemption. In his sovereignty, we study how he seemed to be somehow in charge of his own death, even while shackled and surrounded. In his faithfulness, we marvel at how he determinately endured through the horror of the cross accompanied by unbridled joy. In his holiness, we fall down in reverence at the sight of the now unveiled Holy of Holies. In his righteousness, we stand in awe of his perfect life, which never exhibited a single moment of rebellion. In his justice, we tremble at the terrible consequences of our sin. In his mercy, we shudder at how God is willing to withhold what we deserve because Jesus stood in wrath's way. In his goodness, we delight that the greatest reward that the cross provides is reconciliation with God himself. In his love, we are unable to come up with valid reasoning for why God would set his unrivaled affection upon rebels like us. In His grace, we find freedom so astounding and forgiveness yet so complete. 
The cross provides the opportunity to know God again. The cross is more than a means of salvation from something. The cross saves us for something. Not only are you saved from enduring God's punishment, but you are saved to experience God's presence. If you view Jesus as a ticket into heaven rather than the treasure of heaven, your motives need to be evaluated. What you consider to be salvation just might be prosperity. Jesus should be the obsession of this life and not just the avenue for a heavenly retirement and the next life. You will love the streets of gold, but you will adore the one who laid the bricks even more. God is perfect. Don't attempt to change a single thing about him. He is everything we've ever needed and nothing like what we ever expected. Praise the Lord for such a surprising development. God is not turning out to be who I thought he should be and how my soul is ever relieved at each new realization of that truth. The God of the Bible may not be who I wanted, but he is who I needed. With each step closer to knowing him, I discover that my previous ideas pale in comparison to his actual identity. Not only do I understand that I was wrong, but I find joy in being saved from my former ignorance. He is far better than I could have ever imagined. Nothing is impossible for my God. In the beginning, God was there. There was nothing before him, and there is no one like him. He created this universe and absolutely everything in it. When he said, let there be light, the light had no choice but to obey. He had not yet created a sun or moon yet. With even no stars above, he simply spoke light into existence, and the darkness was overcome. He didn't need the light, for he was the light. My God created the heavens and the earth. All that we see, know, and experience he made in seven days. Every year, leading scientists discover a constellation never seen before, and my God in heaven replies, are you just now getting to that one? You think that is impressive? You ain't seen nothing yet. Keep on coming. Every constellation and every creature, every bit of scenery and every change of season, everything from the east to the west was made by his power and for his glory. God steps back at his creation and calls it good, but creation steps back and looks at my God and calls him great. You know why? Because nothing is impossible for my God. My God was able to breathe the breath of life into dust and make mankind. He created you. He created me. He didn't create us because he was lonely or needy. He created us for his glory. We were made by him and we were made for him. My God was able to change a barren void into a vibrant creation. My God was able to transform a childless home into a burgeoning nation. My God was able to redeem an enslaved people. He rescued his own from the clutches of a mighty pharaoh and sunk the world's most feared army under the waters of the Red Sea. My God took over management of the promised land and gave it to a caravan unable to procure victory by their own strength. My God was able to take ordinary people and make them accomplish extraordinary things. He brought down walls with the sounds of trumpets. He scattered armies by the shouts of priests. He brought down significant giants by the hands of insignificant shepherds. He sent kings shaking with a waving of his hand, and yet he still humbles the mightiest in this world by mere mentioning of his name. You know why? Because nothing is impossible for my God. My God could take the voices of lone prophets and bring nations to their knees. He led the lone prophet Elijah to defeat hundreds of idolatrous priests in a holy battle of pyromania. He led the exiled prophet Daniel to confront the most powerful king in the world until he was groveling upon his knees. He led the runaway prophet Jonah to be vomited by a great fish to speak a simple message to a godless nation and watch them wailing on the ground in repentance. You know why? Because nothing is impossible for my God. My God is unwavering. No matter the depth of our sin, he continued to love. No matter our treatment of each other, he continued to pursue. No matter the severity of our crimes, he provided a second chance. We could not make it to him, and so he came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dwelt among us, and we can never be the same. Who can speak all things into existence? Who can make saints out of misfits? 
Who can restore peace from our strife? Whose power can bring the dead back to life? His name is Jesus, only Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The long-awaited Messiah of whom all history was longing for finally appeared and the world has yet to recover. He came to love the unlovable, reach the unreachable, and forgive the unforgivable. He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, and befriended the sinners. The mute could speak, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, and now the blind can truly see. And yes, my Jesus died, but nobody took advantage of him. He wasn't forced upon that cross. He made that cross. He volunteered for that cross. He came eagerly looking for that cross. And while he may have died upon that cross, he was never defeated upon that cross. Joy brought him there, and grace would keep him there. Our sins were great, but his grace was greater. The wrath of God meant for us was placed upon him at that cross. It was not because any rebellious man or governing authority or devil of hell put him there, but because he desired to go there. He took our unrighteousness. He offered his own righteousness. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The wrath of God was heading our way and Jesus stepped into our place. He took the death that I should have died so that now I can live the life that he has lived. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And yet he was willing to give his up so we could have ours back. But church, lest you forget, let me remind you that the cross was not the end. While his enemies were rejoicing, the authorities celebrating, his followers regrouping, his disciples doubting, and those women crying, my Jesus was busy rising. No cross could defeat him. No government could pacify him. No demonic force could control him. No sin could keep him. No grave could contain him. No death could restrain him. He got up. How could it be? Because nothing is impossible for my God. Sin was defeated. Satan was disarmed. Hell lost its sting. Death misplaced its victory. There was nothing before him. There will be nothing after him. There is nothing like him. He had no predecessor. He will have no successor. He is the author and the finisher. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and last, future and past. There has never been a moment when he was not, and there will never be a moment that he will not be. My God still reigns supreme, no matter who is president or candidate. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No Supreme Court governs him. No Senate or House revokes him. No cabinet advises him. No secret service guards him. No lobbyist sways him. He says what he wants and he does what he wants. My God is unstoppable. Nations try to restrict him. Rulers try to avoid him. Dictators try to sway him. Governments try to ignore him. But he cannot be contained, maintained, or restrained. He cannot be shut up, backed up, or held up. No power can keep his influence out. No opposition can keep his message quiet. And no authority can hinder his plans from going forth. The more they try to restrict this king, the more they see his kingdom coming. The more they try to threaten his children, the more they see his love spreading. The more they try to keep him out, the more they see his presence invading. My God is sufficient. He doesn't need a handout or a bailout. He is not short on resources or manpower. My God is all wise. Diseases in which doctors have closed the book, my God writes a new chapter. Marriages in which counselors have to refer, my God lifts them from the ashes. Homes which are broken, he restores. Those deep in need, he provides all the more. Broken, weary, depressed, and confused, my God can bring life anew. Do you know why? Because nothing is impossible for my God. He is mighty, magnificent, and majestic, omniscient and omnipresent, imminent and transcendent, immutable, irrefutable, unstoppable, unforgettable. 
good, just, right, and holy, powerful, supreme, my one and only. He can do anything. He is my everything. He is the sinless Savior, the righteous Redeemer, the mighty God, and the truest friend. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, He is the Son of God and the Son of man. Who is this warrior who secured victory? Who is this truth setting us free? Who is this sacrifice able to save us? There is none other, only Jesus. Angels fall on their faces. Demons fall to their knees. And there is still coming a day in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not through with me and I cannot get over him. My God is able to finish what he started. And when he comes back, he ain't coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. With a mighty shout and a split second, all that once was wrong will be made right again. And when that trumpet sounds and he splits the skies, he will crush the enemy once and for all and will call out to his children and finally beckon us to come back home. Rise up, church, for I have good news for you today. No matter what chapter you are reading right now, I have read the end of the book. And guess what? We win. We win. We win. No more tears. No more pain. No more death. No more sin. No more enemy, only Jesus, Jesus, and more of Jesus. We win, we win, we win. You know why? Because nothing is impossible for my God. That's the mighty God that I serve. Is that the God you serve?